Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.51 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 7th of September, 2021. This is episode 472 of Bitcoin, and it's Le Bitcoin Day. It happened. We finally got here. Oh, God. I ugh. It was like pins and needles since June when Nayib Bukele, president of El Salvador, announced that Bitcoin will be legal tender in that country. I have a metric shit ton of El Salvador news, but guess what? We ain't going to get into that just yet, are we? Nope. No, we are not. In fact, what I want to begin with here is uh, a little bit of uh, Andre Cronje crying like a little bitch. Poor little baby. Little baby. Good reminder of what we are actually fighting for. We'll do everything in my power to protect the Uniswap team. As is a beginning of a tweet thread from Andre Cronje, or however the hell you pronounce this scammer's name. Uniswap's in trouble. We'll get into a little bit more in depth on that here in a second. But let's let the baby cry just a, a little bit more. Wah, wah, he goes on to cry. Good time to remember that it's the team members that have to deal with this stuff, not token holders. So please support the dev teams. Put away pointless rivalries and build support networks. And if you are a DeFi team, please proactively get legal counsel. (laughs) There are going to be teams who don't know any litigators or securities lawyers. If you are and you are willing to help defend a bunch of fucking scammers, please make yourselves known. I'm happy to build up a register. This is an attack on DeFi, not just individuals. Yeah, and Andre, you should have thought about that shit when you decided to create a whole bunch of scammy ass, sushi swapping, pineapple having, farm my peach coin for more tomato coin, whatever that thing was or is. I just can't for the life of me wrap my head around that bullshit because it doesn't actually produce anything. But the the tweet in here that is the the absolute gem is this one. Good time. I've already read it, but let's read it again. Good time to remember that the team members have to deal with this stuff not token holders, so please support the dev teams, put away pointless rival- rivalries and build support networks. And if you are a DeFi team, please proactively get legal counsel. Andre is begging people to go get lawyers. And guess what, Andre? You wouldn't have to even jack with this if you had done this in a non-scammy bullshit way. Of course the SEC is going to pile on you. Of course they, they always were, buddy. 
let's so what's the SEC exactly doing with the whole Uniswap Labs thing? Okay, this is out of the block crypto. I know, I know. You guys, I I I get it. I'm just you know, block crypto is not exactly good for Bitcoin, but they do have this particular piece of news concerning Andre Cronje's crying like a baby. Uh, Yogiti Katri is writing this one for the block crypto, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, oh, good Lord, giving me an ad. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is reportedly investigating Uniswap Labs, the startup behind the largest decentralized cryptocurrency exchange. The Wall Street Journal reported the news on Friday, citing people familiar with the matter. Enforcement attorneys are said to be seeking information about how investors use Uniswap and how it is marketed. Last month, SEC Chairman Gary Gensler said that the agency could regulate DeFi projects, specifically DeFi projects that reward participants with valuable tokens or similar incentives could be regulated no matter how, quote, decentralized they say they are, Gensler said at the time. A Uniswap Labs spokesperson told the journal that the firm is committed to complying with the laws and regulations governing our industry and to providing information to regulators that will assist them with any inquiry. An SEC spokesperson declined to comment on the new, to the news outlet, <clears throat> saying the agency doesn't confirm or deny investigations. The investigation appears to be in its early stages and may not result in any formal allegations of wrongdoing per the report. Well, that doesn't sound to me like that's what Andre is thinking. Andre looks at this as, as like, no, man, somebody has unleashed the hounds and they are coming their way. Personally, couldn't give two shits about it. I'm not, I, I, I don't feel bad for these people. They knew what they were doing was going to get them in trouble. And the amount of people that lost money on DeFi is basically, I think it's like the ratio is 100 to 1 people. For every one person that made money on DeFi, you got 100 people that lost their freaking ass. What's next? Ooh, viva la revolution. The goal is to meet a Bitcoiner in every country. What the hell is this? Uh, Bre uh, who, who, let me make sure who sent this to me. Brady at Citizen Bitcoin made sure that I was made aware about this uh, apparently sometime very late last night. Uh, what he sent me was a Telegram group and in that is a pinned message which is from Brecky Von Bitcoin and I will read this to you now. Hey everyone, we wanted to give you a preview of our Bitcoin is for everyone campaign that is launching tomorrow, which actually means today. Sorry. It's whatever. We need your help to make this go viral and show the world that Bitcoin really is for everyone. The goal is to meet a Bitcoiner in every country. When we launch, we will ask everyone to tweet out a selfie showcasing their country along with hashtag Bitcoin is for everyone and a hashtag with the name of their country. We'll be aggregating some of those tweets on a landing page on our site and a map will track, or sorry, keep track of the countries where we've met at least one Bitcoiner. Would love whatever help you can provide <clears throat> to get it rolling. The main announcement tweet drops tomorrow. Please retweet it with a selfie and those hashtags and tag all your Bitcoiner friends around the world. At 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's, guys, it's daylight time. It's daylight time. Uh, time zones are confusing, especially with this stupid daylight savings time stuff.
Anyway, at 11 a.m. PST, <clears throat> we'll launch the campaign on an epic live stream that will run throughout the day. Along with our guests, we'll also ask Bitcoiners from around the world to call in and share their stories. And we'll be giving away $21 in sats to anyone who makes it on the show. Damn. You guys could be like getting your ass handed to you on that one. This is going to be a lot of fun. Thank you all in advance for being a part of it. And here's a little preview of the video we will tweet out when we launch it. And he's got a video here. I'm not going to play it. Um, so go look for the hashtag Bitcoin is for everyone. Again, hashtag Bitcoin is for everyone. I'm sure you will find the initial announcement tweet. And just, you know, help them out and get like, uh, get into this telegram group. It is in fact named B-I-F-E hyphen Bitcoin is for everyone is the actual title of the group. Yes, there's 154 members at the time and it's t.me forward slash Bitcoin is for everyone. That should get you into the telegram group and I'm going to go ahead and move on because it's le bitcoin day right let's start let's crank up the el salvador news we're going to start with this one from my wife Jeannie bennett writing for uh, btc times it's bitcoin day el, el salvador buys 400 bitcoin as bitcoin law goes into effect it's Bitcoin Day. The Ley Bitcoin has gone into effect in El Salvador, officially making the country the first in the world to adopt Bitcoin as a legal tender. To kick off the historic day, El Salvador's President Nayib Bukele took to Twitter in the early morning hours of September the 7th to announce that his country had bought its first Bitcoin, $200 to start, then doubling its stack to 400 Bitcoin. El Salvador made history in June by becoming the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender, as the BTC Times previously reported. The bill was passed by a supermajority in the Legislative Assembly on June the 8th, 2021. That Bitcoin is now a parallel legal tender in El Salvador means that proponents and detractors of Bitcoin alike are watching the Central American country closely as it breaks new ground in the world's economic evolution. Before the passage of the Bitcoin law, the U.S. dollar was the sole official currency of El Salvador. The main impetus to ensconce Bitcoin as parallel legal tender appears to be an attempt to increase and democratize economic participation. Bukele argued that elevating Bitcoin to the status of legal currency would provide financial inclusions to thousands outside the formal economy and create jobs. Adopting Bitcoin as legal tender in El Salvador has the potential to cut the cost of paying remittances, a key source of income for the country's population, especially for migrants and short-term employees. According to one report, one quarter of El Salvador citizens resides within the United States and sent more than $6 billion in remittance over the past year. Good God almighty, man. Over 70% of El Salvador's 6.5 million inhabitants are unbanked, meaning they are unable to access traditional banking. That a majority of El Salvador's population is unbanked is cause for concern as lacking access to traditional banking creates several challenges, both for individuals seeking to increase their own wealth and for nations wanting to increase financial inclusion and ease poverty. In preparation for the new legal tender, El Salvador deployed over 200 Bitcoin ATMs, a move that could make it much easier to promote financial inclusion among unbanked citizens. As the BTC Times previously reported, Bitcoin ATMs are on the rise globally. In June, Bukele announced the creation of El Salvador's 
first official Bitcoin wallet, Chivo, and promised 30 bucks <clears throat> to each citizen who signs up. El Salvador's move into Bitcoin was met with skepticism from some, including the World Bank, which rehashed much-used arguments blaming Bitcoin's environmental impact, on which there is no official data, and the IMF, which recently published a blog post calling the adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender, a step too far. Ooh, that sounds like a threat. Meanwhile, President Bukele has begun exploring the possibility of using the country's volcanoes as a source of geothermal energy to power Bitcoin mining. While political corruption is an ongoing concern in El Salvador and in many countries around the world, proponents of the move <clears throat> to use Bitcoin as a parallel legal tender argue that it has the potential to democratize the economy rather than potentially enable further corruption. One key economic impact <coughs> of utilizing Bitcoin as legal tender may be to wean El Salvador from dependence on the United States dollar. With all eyes on El Salvador, the adoption of Bitcoin as a parallel legal tender has everyone wondering, will other developing nations follow? The move may come down to a key player in the future of financial inclusion, the availability of technology. Smartphones are essential to accessing digital wallets. Though smartphone availability has increased across the globe, some data suggests that only a third of users with mobile phones have access to the internet, and there are concerns about the possible stratification of smartphone availability within emerging economies. However, data seems to suggest that mobile adoption is growing rapidly in El Salvador, and the increase in availability of Bitcoin ATMs would help enable users to conduct transactions even if they do not currently have smartphone access. Though a majority of El Salvador's population is divested in and disempowered by traditional banking, Bitcoin could still come out ahead in empowering the country's economically divested majority. At this point, it seems to be an innovation game. Oh, man, my wife writes fairly well, dude. <laughs> well, she should. She's been writing for like, you know, 10 years. So anyway, but yeah. Thank you, BTC Times, and my lovely wife, Jeannie Bennett, for starting off our coverage of Le Bitcoin Day. El Salvador makes history with Bitcoin as legal tender. Are you ready to be a part of it, too? Okay, this is a promoted, sponsored story in Bitcoin Magazine. But you know what? Screw it, because I think it's probably important to understand that uh, ECI development is working to bring a tourism village to El Salvador's El Zante Bitcoin Beach. Again, promoted article, take it for what it's worth. You know what to do. Okay. On June the 8th, 2021, President Bukele declared Bitcoin legal tender in El Salvador effective September 7, 2021. But the surf town of El Zante boasts a two year head start. In fact, Nearly all of the town's households and dozens of local businesses already trade using Bitcoin. It all began when Mike Peterson, a surfer from California, got word that the community projects in this Sal Salvadoran town were getting a generous boost from an anonymous philanthropist. The only caveat? Create a local economy that runs purely on Bitcoin. Oh, and the donation could not be cashed out into fiat currency. With that, El Zante suddenly became the Bitcoin proving ground. Alongside local community activist Jorge Valenzuela, Peterson began the Bitcoin Beach project targeting the youth of the area. Many school-aged children only make it <clears throat> to the ninth grade in this town as access to schools can be cost prohibitive. By focusing on this demographic, the Bitcoin Beach project began teaching people 
how to use this new internet money. The project rewarded students who earned good grades, paid teenage, teenagers who worked as lifeguards, and kept beaches and waterways clean, and even extended $35 a month in Bitcoin to over 500 families who struggled during the COVID-19 pandemic. To date, the project has catapulted the use of Bitcoin to the halls of the legislature, with President Bukele citing this once sleepy surf town as an example of how the country could move forward with the use of Bitcoin, where many citizens once felt financially blocked from the traditional banking system, Bitcoin has opened an avenue for them to not only make money, but to save as well. For these Salvadorans, the idea is magical. Watching their digital money grow provides hope and new opportunities. With the entire country now expected to get on board with Bitcoin, El Zante stands out as an example of innovation and success. From buying groceries, paying household bills, or grabbing a few delicious pupusas at the corner stand, <coughs> Bitcoin Beach <clears throat> is one of the few places in the world that uses Bitcoin routinely. El Salvador relies heavily upon remittances, totaling nearly $6 billion in 2019. That amount is the equivalent of one-fifth of the country's GDP and is one of the highest ratios in the world. Bitcoin will usher in a new method to transfer these remittances, cutting down on the high fees that traditional money transfer services, uh, you spelled leeches wrong, have long been charging. Those savings and fees go a long way in communities that rank among the poorest in the hemisphere, enabling local entrepreneurs to reinvest or save for a rainy day. Upon declaring this Bitcoin law, President Bukele acknowledged that the country would be a magnet for Bitcoin entrepreneurs and investors, and it's happening. Opportunities to be part of a financial evolution rarely come around. Immediate permanent residency and tax breaks, particularly on capital gains, sweeten the pot. Bitcoin as legal tender has made El Salvador the leader in this new space. Many in the Bitcoin community want to be a part of this revolution too. Owning a vacation home or investment property in El Salvador is one great way to share in this success. As one of the few developers in the region that accepts Bitcoin as payment, ECI Development is working with Peterson to bring a tourism village to Bitcoin Beach. Email bitcoin at ecidevelopment.com now and be the first to hear about the homes, condos, and tiny homes in this eco-sensible, sustainable tourism village where like-minded, forward-thinking individuals will gather and enjoy the success of Bitcoin together. Oh my God. El Zante has established the use of Bitcoin into the everyday lives of its residents. The residents there are part of the change. As the rest of the nation catches up, the question is, will you? Okay, you know, honestly, for for a sponsored post, you know, in Bitcoin <clears throat> in Bitcoin magazine, I got hats off to ECI development for not just shoving it full. I mean, honestly, the only place that they blew their own horn was this thing email bitcoin at ecidevelopment.com. You know, and in some suit speak that you need to put a tie on after it. Other than that, not bad. Not bad at all. Um now <clears throat> Uh, let's see. I got this piece from, let's see if I can even remember who sent it to me exactly. And that's probably just not going to happen. Uh, hold on. Oh yeah. Ideas are like flames. Okay. The, the Twitter account ideas are like flames. And I'm pretty sure that was, yes, ideas. No, actually ideas like flames is the handle 
Okay, that's at ideas like flames, no spaces, no nothing, just all one word, ideas like flames. Anyway, uh, ideas like flames sent me the following uh, medium blog post, adopting Bitcoin, a lightning summit in El Salvador. Galoy announces Bitcoin and lightning network summit in El Salvador. <clears throat> Galoy, the Bitcoin banking solution for companies and communities, announced today that adopting Bitcoin, a lightning summit in El Salvador, will be held in San Salvador and El Zante from November the 16th to November the 18th, 2021. November, that's in November, November the 16th to the 18th. The three-day conference will bring Bitcoin and Lightning Network developers and educators together with civil society, businesses, and institutions in El Salvador. The ultimate goal is to foster a successful adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender in the Central American country. On June the 8th, the Legislative Assembly of the Republic of El Salvador followed through on the prior announcement of President Bukele and passed La Ley Bitcoin, the Bitcoin law. The promulgation of the law on September 7th will mark a sensational first for both El Salvador and the Bitcoin network. In the weeks following the announcement, developers and educators from the global Bitcoin community visited El Salvador and the town of El Zante, also known as Bitcoin Beach. They spoke with local Bitcoiners, civil society, and businesses to understand the challenges on the path to Bitcoin adoption in the country. It is based on this feedback that the Bitcoin community will convene in El Salvador and work towards real results during the conference. Uh, <clears throat> quote, it is important to acknowledge that there is a small team in a small village known as Bitcoin Beach that sparked this whole development. The community leaders of El Zante pioneered the implementation of Bitcoin payments through Lightning. Today, we are working towards the broader adoption of Bitcoin across El Salvador. I am grateful to be a part of this opportunity. We are not only continuing the dialogue with Salvadorian society and businesses, but also bringing real input to the Lightning Network itself through onboarding a country to the Bitcoin standard. And that was Nicholas Berte, co-founder of Galoy, making that statement. Uh, let's see. It will be, okay, here's where the venues are. It will be at the Sheraton Presidente Hotel and Resorts in San Salvador, Avenue La Revolucion, col.sanbenito. Not sure what col means. I'm sure you're screaming at me right now, but uh, it's, dude, it's 6.13 in the morning. What do you expect, bro? Oh, and also at Bitcoin Beach, which is El Zante. Now, I'm not sure how they're going to do this. I mean, I don't know if they're going to be concurrent. I guess they are. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to work, having, you know, part of the conference in San Salvador and the other part in El Zante. But it should be interesting to watch. Um, if you guys want to get a hold of uh, this gentleman that sent me this, his name is... Kemal Yasser, head of communications. Uh, his email is kemal at ideasarelikeflames.com. That's kemal, K-E-M-A-L, at ideasarelikeflames.com. Uh, ideasarelikeflames is all one word. So anyway, uh, let's see, is there anything else? In I think that'll probably do it for now. Let's move on. Thousands of people plan to smash by $30 of Bitcoin to celebrate El Salvador. <clears throat> yep, we sure are. The world is about to change forever as today is the last day on planet Earth where Bitcoin won't be legal tender somewhere. Because tomorrow, or rather today, 
BTC officially becomes legal tender in El Salvador, making a historic milestone in Bitcoin's journey to becoming the world reserve currency. To jumpstart Bitcoin usage in El Salvador, citizens will have the option to receive a free $30 in BTC via the government's Chivo wallet app. This is to incentivize El Salvadorians to get off zero and start using the world's hardest money in their everyday lives. Oh, this has sparked a lot of enthusiasm and excitement amongst Bitcoiners from all over the world who are eager to participate in this event. Bitcoiners tend to start and pick up trends very quickly, so it was no surprise to me to see a gigantic Reddit thread of Bitcoiners from all over the world coordinating the time on September the 7th where they'd all buy their $30 in Bitcoin to celebrate this landmark achievement. And here is a uh, snippet from that Reddit thread. Uh, let's see. So we all buying $30 worth of Bitcoin on Tuesday. I know I will. Uh, 3.3 million community members, $30 each is uh, $99 million, $99.5 give or take based on currencies used. El Salvador will have the crypto launch at 3 p.m. I guess that's their time, which uh, San Salvador is in mountain time zone in the United States. Uh, well, uh, okay, yeah, look, dude, San Salvador is not in the United States, but it's in the time zone of the United States mountain time zone. So I'm guessing it'll be like 4 o'clock p.m. my time because uh, mountain time is one hour ahead of me so or one hour behind me. Whatever. Anyway, I say we coordinate for this time, which is 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. God dang it, y'all. It's daylight savings time. It's PDT, Pacific Daylight Time. God, I have meant this as more of a support gesture rather than as a pump. It's a first that a nation has adopted Bitcoin. This is an important time in Bitcoin. Let's show El Salvador for those who are on the fence about it still, that Bitcoin has value for them and for everyone. Bitcoin is meaningful. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for all the awards, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Continuing with uh, the actual text of the article, this trend spread like wildfire with people spreading the message across many different social media platforms, especially Twitter, where even heavy hitters like MicroStrategy CEO <clears throat> Michael Saylor used his massive platform to ask people, will you join us in buying $30 in BTC tomorrow? The post was met with thousands of likes, retweets, and hundreds of comments from individuals planning on participating in the event. And here's exactly what Michael Saylor says. On September the 7th, El Salvador will officially begin using Bitcoin as its national currency alongside the U.S. dollar. Every cyber hornet I know is planning to buy $30 in BTC tomorrow in solidarity with the people of El Salvador and their leader, Nayib Bukele. Will you join us? Okay. Yes, I'm going to join you. Just, I guess, at 4 p.m. today. And let's see how many platforms we can break. Anyway, many located in the famous Bitcoin beach in El Zante have already been using Bitcoin as a means of exchange. The chief strategy officer at the Human Rights Foundation, Alex Gladstein, is in El Zante at the time of writing this, and he recently showcased just how easy it is to use BTC as a currency in this video where he pays for his coffee in Bitcoin. And indeed, it's a video of him buying coffee with Bitcoin. Sorry, Roger Ver. So as of tomorrow, BTC is set to become legal tender and Bitcoiners from all over the world are ready to give the people of El Salvador a warm welcome to Bitcoin. Coordination on events like this really shows the camaraderie amongst people fighting in this monetary revolution with the goal of fixing the money, thus 
fixing the world. This revolution is not being televised. It is being broadcast through niche areas on social media. Yeah, they wouldn't, they would not broadcast this. You're, I mean, the only thing, here it is. The only thing that you're going to see on the news, like mainstream media, is every idiot that they can find that had even remotely a bad, yeah, a bad time with using Bitcoin their first or second time. Look, when you're learning something new, you know, don't take a giant fucking shit all over people when they screw stuff up because they're, you know, new to it. You know, like street, uh, I was in molecular biology for a long time, streaking an auger plate so that you can get single colonies of bacteria that aren't like just, a, you know, you want to do it in a certain way where you have like these single colonies that you can pick. And the reason you're doing that is because you're going to probably going to either culture them out or you, uh, or culture them out for sequencing, you know, to find their genetics. I, you know, there's all manner, but you need single colonies to be able to properly streak a plate takes about five different protocols. It, when somebody who knows how to do it, when they do it and you watch them and they show you how to do it, it looks easy. And then you sit your happy ass down and the next thing you know, you're screwing up and you will screw that up for about two straight months. Sorry, that's just the way shit works when you're learning stuff. But CNBC, CNN, the whole gambit, what they're going to do is say, see, look how bad this is. It's the, we are Bitcoin's marketing department. Okay. There is no body out there that's going to help defend Bitcoin. It's not going to be a proponent that they get on NBC to, you know, or CNBC to refute the bad experience. Nope. It, nope. And it would not surprise me one bit if they fabricate straight up fabricate stories, just hire somebody to really screw up like those commercials where, you know, something that's clearly simple to do, like opening a can is just like this, you know, her cure, like a Herculean event for this poor woman until she gets whatever product that they're trying to sell. And then it becomes easy, right? Nah, it's all up to us. It's all up to us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, madams and messieurs, it is all up to us. Now, Satoshi Nakamani, which is at Nakamani, N-A-K-A-M-O-N-E-Y, has the final word on all this. Breaking. At the same time, El Salvador's Bitcoin bill becomes law. At 3 p.m. September the 7th, a huge Brazilian Reddit community with more than 3 million members will buy $30 in Bitcoin each. Remembering that September the 7th is also Brazil's Independence Day. More and more users are joining. So today marks the day. I guess I haven't vetted it and I don't know world history to the point where I know everybody's Independence Day. But according to Nakamani, today is like the 4th of July for Brazil. For the like 4th of July in the United States where we celebrate our independence. Texas has its own Independence Day. Brazil's apparently is today. Amazing that it just happens to be today. September the 7th is going to go down in history as one of the most important days ever, ever. If it really becomes a fact that 3 million Brazilian Reddit users actually smash by $30 worth of Bitcoin today, and we all stand in solidarity and we have millions upon mil, there are dozens of millions of us 
and we all do it, do you have any idea what that would do? Aside from CoinDesk clearly going to go down, <clears throat> we'll, we will be stress testing every single buying, you know, on-ramp to Bitcoin that there is. Every exchange, <clears throat> Square, Swan Bitcoin, River Financial, all of them across the board. Are there, I, I, I foresee servers just going up in flames, right? Be part of the revolution. Don't stand there and just, you know, watch it from afar. Go to Square or sign up for Swan Bitcoin, sign up for River Financial, get, you know, HODL, HODL, BISC, whatever. I don't care what you use. I really don't. I mean, for God's sakes, even like, you know, Coinbase. If you have to use Coinbase, then use Coinbase. And well, that, that's if their platform doesn't crash and burn, which I suspect it will. But be part of the revolution. Don't just stand and watch it. Let's run the numbers. Well, shit, I guess everybody in the world is liquidating some stuff to go buy Bitcoin. All the markets are down and honestly, it's fairly substantial. Flammable liquids, let's start out. West Texas Intermediate down over a full point, $68.56 a barrel. Brent North Sea is down one third of one point. It stands at 72 bucks even a barrel. Natural gas is down 2.65%, but still weighing in at a high price of $4.58 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline tumbled three quarters of a point to two dollars and 13 cents a gallon uh let's see gold is also oh, no actually all the heavy the heavy metals shiny metal rocks they're all screwed today gold is down 1.2 percent at 1811 dollars silver is down almost a full two percent 24 dollars and 33 cents platinum is down god a point well well uh 1.65 copper is down 1.26 palladium is down a point and a quarter Ag, eh, well, they're just kind of basically moving sideways except for coffee, uh, up 1.24%. Everything else is, is moving, but under, you know, well under a point. <clears throat> now, indices, ah, sideways motion, guys. Dow futures up 0.07%. S&P futures up 0.01. NASDAQ futures down 0.09. S&P mini is down 0.03. Let's talk about real money at $51,104. We have 271,600 transactions in the last 24 hours for Bitcoin. That is 11,300 transactions on average per hour with, oh but my, check this out. Only 504,000 BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. I guess it's because coming in on the weekend or coming out of the weekend, uh, Memorial Day weekend, by the way, for the United States. Um, so yeah, it, it, today is Tuesday, whatever. Anyway, 21,000 BTC are being sent every hour on the hour on average with an average transaction value of 1.8 BTC, median transaction value 0.016 BTC or about 800 bucks. Block times are way low, eight minutes and 50 seconds. 0.1 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, a 16.8 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. 
with a 3.52% rise in hash rate, we are standing at 148.7 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge at 28 cents. That was 0.287 US dollars, and I just wish the damn thing would die already. 4,200 transactions are waiting on two blocks to clear. We have a market capitalization of $961 billion. That is 8.13% of gold's entire market cap. With your one Bitcoin, if you so choose, you may purchase 28.2 ounces of shiny metal rocks. 18,809,141.5 BTC are in circulation at the time, and 2,381.7 of those are in the Lightning Network, with a capacity value topping $120 million. Over 15,000 nodes, 68,767 channels. Holy shit. And the percentage of Tor capacity for the Lightning Network is just under 75%, guys. So almost 75% of the Lightning Network is now run over Tor with 9,632 Tor nodes that we can see. And Clark Moody has the price of Bitcoin at $51,140. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We got this one uh, about price from William Suberg out of Cointelegraph. BTC price further crushes resistance and nears $53,000 on El Salvador's Bitcoin day. Uh, let's see here. Bitcoin targeted $53,000 on Tuesday as fears of a fresh BTC price dip faded above a crucial resistance. Data from Cointelegraph Markets Pro and TradingView <clears throat> showed BTC hitting new highs of $52,960 on Bitstamp overnight after a swift retest of the $51,000 level, the lower boundary of what was previously a large wall of selling pressure. Bitcoin bounced back with a vengeance, eclipsing bears and hitting its highest in almost four months. Short sellers lost out big with 24-hour liquidations nearing five hundred million dollars at the time of writing among analysts however the talk was all about el salvador tuesday marking its transition to a partial bitcoin standard in a historic world first quote el salvador just bought 200 new coins we now hold 400 btc says president Nayib bukele bukele who faces criticism from his citizens and international financial organizations over the move added that the government would purchase a lot more in the short term. He also called on mobile app stores to release El Salvador's state Bitcoin wallet Chivo in time for Bitcoin Day. Bitcoin is now legal tender in El Salvador. Soon, more countries will follow. Samson Mo, chief strategy officer of Blockstream, meanwhile commented in one of many responses predicting a domino effect thanks to El Salvador. Quote, there is no going back. You cannot put the genie back in the bottle, end quote. <clears throat> As Cointelegraph reported, on-chain metrics and fundamentals appeared equally relentless this week as the recovery from the May minor route continued unabated. Even minor profit-taking failed to dampen price action or short-term expectations. On-chain analytics firm Glassnode noting that the market had clearly absorbed the spare liquidity. Quote, this week around 2,900 BTC have been sent from minor balances equal to around $145 million at 50K BTC price. 
It wrote in its latest weekly newsletter, The Week on Chain, minor positions increasing or decreasing by up to $5,000 in a given week is standard practice, it added, describing the latest activity as reasonably expected behavior. Oh, well, all right then, here we go. Now, <clears throat> Panama. Ooh, what's going on with Panama? Well, we'll find out from Coindesk and Andres Engler, <clears throat> Panamanian Congressional presents, or sorry, Panamanian Congressman presents bill to regulate crypto. Okay, Panama has introduced a bill to regulate the use of crypto or cryptocurrencies throughout the country. The bill, presented by Congressman Gabriel Silva on Tuesday night, seeks to make Panama a country compatible with the digital economy, blockchain, crypto assets, and the internet. The text proposes that individuals in Panama, Panama or legal entities established in the country may freely agree to use cryptocurrency as a means of payment for any civil or commercial operation that is not prohibited already by the legal system. The project also proposes that taxes, fees, and other tax obligations may be paid using cryptocurrency. As Silva confirmed to Coindesk, the use of cryptocurrencies is not illegal in Panama. There is no enforced currency in the Panamanian constitution, although the U.S. dollar has been used officially since 1904 after a monetary agreement between the countries known as the Taft-Aris took effect. <clears throat> Quote, there are no certainties in the fiscal rules, and with this project, we seek to bring them, said Felipe Enchandi, a local crypto entrepreneur who worked with Silva in drafting of the bill. According to Enchandi, the bill subjects cryptocurrencies to the capital gains regime, as in the United States, and excludes them <clears throat> from VAT. We believe this is a worldwide trend, he said. The proposed legislation also seeks to establish principles of banking interoperability so that traditional financial systems are compatible with new ones. In Silva's words, that would mean the possibility of connecting a bank account with an exchange. <laughs> oh, shit. Today, you can't even connect a bank account with PayPal, Silva said. According to Enchandi, the objective of the bill is that crypto is not only used by two parties that have a contract, but by the conditions or but that the conditions are generated so that they can have a massive use, such as in a local store. In addition to the regulation of cryptocurrencies, the project also seeks to expand the di digitization of the state through the use of distributed ledger technology by digitizing the identity of individuals and legal entities, according to a draft of the bill. The digitization process will allow Panama to be compatible with smart contracts and DAOs, the bill reads. Oh, God. Oh, you guys, stop it. The country has all the potential to be a digital identity provider for the rest of the world, as Estonia has done with its digital residency program, it adds. The most futuristic vision is that Panama has to become a DAO, said Enchandi, who added that the bill is an intermediate step toward that vision. According to Enchandi, the bill seeks to strengthen the crypto ecosystem in the country and promote the arrival of crypto companies to the country. Quote, while it is not currently legal or illegal to acquire or buy cryptocurrencies, there are not numerous exchanges nor platforms to convert from fiat to crypto or vice versa, he added. <clears throat> in addition, the proposed legislation allows users of securities to use distributed ledger technology, blockchain, or cryptocurrencies to represent those releases. Just as Panama has become a financial hub in recent years, with this bill, the country could become a desirable jurisdiction for companies seeking to issue any type of asset, Inchandi said. 
Silva, a member of Bancada Independente, an independent and opposition party, said that both the ruling and opposition benches are willing to deal with the bill. In the last two months, he met with different public institutions that would be involved in the operation of crypto, such as the Ministry of Finance, the National Bank, and the Superintendency of Banks, he added. The project gathered comments from different parties, including lawyers, Bitcoin users, crypto-related companies, and government officials, Silva said. The deputy confirmed to Coindesk in June that he was going to introduce the bill in July, although it was delayed by the collection of comments from different parties, he added. Okay, so Panama now. What's important about Panama? The Panama Canal. The, unless you want to take your cargo container around the tip of South America, and by the way, that's not advisable. The seas down there are atrocious, which is exactly why a United States, I think he was, was he from Australia or the United States? I can't remember. He was doing it on behalf of the, uh, the United States, though, designed and oversaw the building of the Panama Canal so that people wouldn't lose all their cargo when they get in a massive storm on the tip of South, South America, because that shit happens, right? If you don't know, it, just look it up. It's pretty bad. Um, there's probably a whole lot of shit down there at the bottom of the ocean to salvage, but nobody wants to do it because the oceans are that bad. So he cuts a canal right in the middle in Panama. It's like just like the, the thinnest part of the land masses in the Western Hemisphere, cuts them in half, builds a canal, and now ships can freely float from the Pacific to the Atlantic and from the Atlantic to the Pacific. If they adopt Bitcoin and ships can start paying passage with Bitcoin, of course, they already have a contract to do so. But I'm just saying, you're talking about a country that is way more important than people actually give it credit for because of the Panama Canal. So uh, yet another domino seems to be falling. Cuba is about, I think Cuba is about to fall next, honestly. I think Cuba's the next country to go. I, I, I think Panama, if they get their shit together, will be like third or fourth. Venezuela very well may follow suit. Like, I, like I've said it, I've said it on several occasions. I do not give a shit about the Western countries and the legacy because they represent the legacy financial institutions. Basically, what I just said is that the West represents the people who hate Bitcoin. It's going to be Central America. It's going to be South America. It's going to be the entire continent of Africa. It's going to be the Baltics, the Balkans, and way Eastern Europe. Those are the places that I'm always going to be watching. As to whether or not Australia gets in or the United States, I honestly couldn't care less because the majority of the world exists outside of the West and the financial legacy financial system. Okay, Bitfinex news, dudes. <clears throat> Look, I, I don't use exchanges because I don't trade cryptocurrencies. I, I, I do not put in buy orders and shorts and longs and leverage and all that kind of stuff. So I don't normally talk about, you know, this stuff. <clears throat> but this seems to be a fairly large deal. Bitfinex launches security token platform regulated in Kazakhstan. Helen Parts is going to parse it out for us from Cointelegraph. 
Hong Kong-based cryptocurrency exchange Bitfinex is moving into the security token offering industry by launching a new STO platform regulated in Kazakhstan. Let's pause there for a moment and remember what's going on in Kazakhstan. They are now the third leading country in global Bitcoin hash rate. And one of the ways they got there is that when China decided to pull out a gun and shoot itself in the head, a bunch of the miners that wanted to get out of the way of all the blood and the brain matter that was coming out of that ran to Kazakhstan. Okay, and Kazakhstan kind of welcomed them. And right now they are, Kazakhstan's a pretty welcoming country as far as Bitcoin is concerned. I expect that to change. I expect a rug pull. Like, right, oh, well, we'll give you tax breaks. And then two years from now, uh, we're not going to give you tax breaks anymore. Uh, too bad you're already here and already set up, but, you know, whatever. Continuing. Bitfinex Securities, Bitfinex's blockchain-based investment provider, has launched its investment exchange regulated in Kazakhstan's national financial hub, the Astana International Found Financial Center, the firm officially announced Monday. This was yesterday. The new STO platform will reportedly operate under the AIFC FinTech Lab, a regulatory sandbox established by the AIFC by the Astana Financial Securities Authority to support development in the financial industry. Located in Astana, Bitfinex Securities will be available 24-7, providing investors with more ways to diversify their portfolios by raising capital for issuers seeking to trade their tokenized securities publicly. This meaningful step for the industry will widen access to a variety of innovative financial products, including notably blockchain-based equities and bonds, along with investment funds, Bitfinex said in the announcement. Bitfinex Securities Chief Technology Officer Paolo Adoino said that the new platform aims to provide the most liquid exchange of its kind in the world. Bitfinex Securities provides a regulated platform serving small and medium cap companies that are currently underserved by existing inefficient capital markets, he added. According to a legal statement, Bitfinex Securities has an extensive list of jurisdictions and persons prohibited from trading on the platform. Prohibited persons include individuals in, you guessed it, the United States, because we've been financially weaponized against the rest of the world. Citizens or residents of Canada, Switzerland, the British Virgin Islands, Venezuela, Austria, and Italy. Those are all prohibited, guys. Prohibited jurisdictions include any jurisdiction subject to a comprehensive embargo by Kazakhstan, the United States, the British Virgin Islands, or the United Nations, including Iran, Cuba, the Crimea region, and others. Bitfinex did not immediately respond to Cointelegraph's request for comments. Kazakhstan has recently been drawing increased attention from the global cryptocurrency community as some of the world's largest crypto mining companies have been working with local entities to run mining facilities and services in the country. During a crypto mining crackdown in China, crypto mining giants such as Canaan relocated operations and launched new businesses in Kazakhstan back in June. Earlier this year, Kazakhstan's government was working on a roadmap to support the local crypto industry development planning to improve the country's crypto regulations and strengthen the country's position in the global crypto market. So it's, it's happened, okay? Bitfinex has jumped in and basically in this one swoop has codified the securities token stuff. And it was going to happen. If you thought it wasn't going to happen, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, but it was gonna happen. 
there's only one way the direction that started with all the shit coins being released, all the ICOs, now we're into the NFT phase. It was never not going to happen that somebody decided to be able to raise capital for their small or mid cap company by issuing a token that represents a functional share in that company, right? So do I think this is bad? Actually, you're probably gonna kill me, but I don't. I mean, honestly, we like anything that rips the guts out of the, fi- the legacy financial system, I'm all for. Everything needs to be redone. Everything needs to be redone. The only question I have, will the new people ripping the guts out of the old financial system end up being just as bad as the people who are running the old financial system? Only time will tell, ladies and gentlemen, only time will tell. We'll have to watch this stuff very carefully. Am I excited? Ah, eh, Not really. I mean, I I don't really like, you know, kind of investing in, in companies, but I guarantee you who is excited is people that do want to buy into companies and they do want to participate in small companies that do not have access to the legacy financial markets, i.e., how do we list our shares on the NASDAQ or Dow or S&P or whatever, you know, whatever exchange, you know, that's a big deal. That's a lot of work. And it takes a lot of people, a lot of time to be able to do that shit. So I, we're just going to have to watch and see what happens, but I guess I should at least say congratulations to Bitfinex. <laughs> German asset manager union investment seeks BTC exposure for several funds. Another domino falling. Sam Borges got it from Cointelegraph. Union Investment, a 500 billion, that's a billion with a B, asset manager is planning to add Bitcoin. And it actually says that, I didn't have to change it. Is planning to add Bitcoin to several investment funds as part of a targeted pilot program for its institutional clients, offering compelling evidence that crypto is becoming more mainstream in Europe's largest economy. The Frankfurt-based institution told Bloomberg on Monday that it is considering adding BTC to a small number of investment funds that will only be available to private investors for each fund. Bitcoin exposure will be limited to no more than 2% of total assets. Portfolio manager Daniel Bath said the new investment strategy is likely to commence in the fourth quarter of this year, though no fixed timetable was given. Union Investment is the investment arm of DZ Bank Group, an institution with over 800 cooperative banks as of June the 30th. Union Investment had $507 billion in assets under management, making it one of Germany's largest asset managers. Germany is quickly becoming a hotbed for crypto investments, especially amongst institutional players. On August the 2nd, a new law allowing institutional funds to hold crypto came into effect, setting the stage for a wider uptake of digital assets, even among German pension funds. Meanwhile, German securities broker S-Broker recently announced a suite of crypto-focused product offerings. At the retail level, Germans don't rank as highly for crypto adoption, according to a recent survey by Financial Comparison Website Finder. The 42,000-person survey estimated that only 11% of Germans had exposure to any kind of digital asset, although that's higher than the United States and the United Kingdom. It ranked well below emerging markets in other European nations. Bitcoin is turning heads again as the first launch cryptocurrency pushes towards $52,000. Okay, well, we're not going to worry about that part. But 
uh, $500 billion in assets under management from a company owned by another company that basically has 800 cooperative banks. Oh, good God, y'all, that's not exactly light news, okay? This is good for Bitcoin. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of people that will tell me it's not good for Bitcoin, except the one thing that is good for Bitcoin is that you can't stop this from happening. Just like nobody can stop me from walking across a border with, you know, $500 million with 12 words in my head. You can't stop it. That's always going to be good for Bitcoin. Okay, let's move on to this one. Why insurance companies need Bitcoin. <clears throat> Everyone loves insurance, right? Healthcare and insurance. The words just evoke anguish, discomfort, and general anxiety, don't they? I mean, I sure as hell don't enjoy hearing those words uttered, let alone ponder the costs that are forked over every month from my salary, yet they are still an integral part of our lives in the developed world. And in case you haven't noticed, the premiums are ridiculous and getting worse. But why? Well, let's run it down. Insurance companies turn a profit by promising to cover cost of a damaging event in exchange for a monthly cost, also known as a premium. This premium gets collected into a pool of funds that is contributed to by the clients, the premium payers of the insurer, at which points funds get distributed as needed to cover the obligations of the insurer. Now, you can imagine that at some point, this pool of funds may get so large that the insurer would be wise to allocate a percentage of the pool towards investment vehicles to earn a yield on the pool's cash. If they don't grow their funds through investment, they are just losing purchasing power via monetary inflation. In that case, they may as well be Pablo Escobar and have some of their cash literally eaten by rats. Now, the nature of insurance is basically identifying and managing risk and exposure while diversifying cash flows to compensate for any fluctuations in macroeconomic outlooks. The desired outcome, of course, is to be as minimally exposed to risk as possible so they can survive unexpected shocks like a global pandemic leading to a complete economic shutdown that developed over the matter of three or four months. <laughs> they must manage this all while still putting capital to work. This risk diminishment strategy also includes the risks that come along with investment and capital allocation. This necessarily includes monetary debasement via inflation. Because of this, treasuries are a popular vehicle due to their last lack of risk and their guaranteed an interest rate yield on the capital allocated. This yield represents capital earned by taking on the risk of forking over cash to the Treasury Department for disbursement. The issue, especially lately, is that treasuries, and this includes bills, notes, and bonds, lose their strategic value when inflation is outpacing the yield. In that kind of landscape, it makes more sense to have capital allocated to assets that are scarce and desirable, assets that are somewhat insulated from the manipulations and tribulations associated with human-led governments and organizations. Bastards. Thanks to this relationship, the insurance sector is being squeezed from multiple angles. A review by Deloitte back in December 2020 identifies the various streams of stress on the industry. 2020 brought an incredible amount of stress onto the insurance sector that was unlike anything in our lifetime. Firstly, there was plenty of medical expenses due to COVID-19. Then there were the riots that came with the outrage of George Floyd event that resulted in widespread damage to homes, storefronts, and private property. Insurers surely had their hands full. Secondly, 
Due to both of these historic events, the United States government and the Federal Reserve decided to provide assistance to the citizens and companies of the country by providing stimulus packages. This massive injection of money involved not only small business administration loans and loans to top corporations, but also grants to the public in order to cover the income lost due to the mandated countrywide lockdowns. While this was a godsend to many citizens, it also leads to some problems in order to facilitate the necessity of easy credit to keep the flywheel that is our fiat economy going, the Federal Reserve lowered interest rates on loans effectively to zero. This made home loans cheap, auto loans cheap, credit cards cheap. It made all credit cheap. This also affects treasuries and treasuries, let's remember, are a very important part of an insurance company's investment strategy. When interest rates are at zero, companies and individuals are forced further away from these safe investment havens in order to protect their capital from inflation. They must take on more risk just to achieve break-even returns against inflation. This is a process referred to being forced further out onto the risk curve. <laughs> if we turn our gaze to health insurance, premiums have obviously or absolutely skyrocketed over the last few decades. I want to provide a few words from Stephen Brill from his book, Tailspin. Quote, <clears throat> what is not as widely appreciated is the cost to employers of hiring workers has risen by at least 30% in inflation adjusted dollars because their health insurance costs per employee have increased by more than 300%. Had healthcare costs merely kept pace with inflation, employers could have had that much more to pay their workers in wages, end quote. Are you flipping kidding me, 300%? If that quote doesn't make your jaw drop as an employee and cause your employer to just absolutely laugh out loud, then you're completely clueless. Employers literally can't afford to pay employees their just rewards, and here's another example, quote. From 1980 to 2016, pers <clears throat> personal out-of-pocket spending for health care uh, in deductibles and, and co-pays for costs covered by insurance and in employee shares of premiums for employer-provided health insurance grew by 460%. 460%. Oh, dude, that hurt. We're all paying hand over fist for insurance, so why is this? Well, if you start by drawing on the very basic and elementary breakdown I laid before you earlier, I think we can paint the ugly mosaic. <clears throat> so let's say that 100 individuals are paying into a health insurance product pool, and let's say that five of these individuals come down with a serious illness that is a significant financial burden draining funds from the pool. How does the insurer continue to meet these expensive obligations while also protecting the future possible obligations they might owe to other customers? The insurer raises premiums either for the individual or for all cust customers. That's a very, very basic breakdown, yet I believe it should give pause to many that may be attempting to blame the insurers for the reality that we find ourselves in. Next question is, what's causing the premiums to be so high? Well, let's see. According to a meta-analysis published by the NIH, that's the National Institutes of Health, in February 2020, 78% of Americans will be considered overweight, if not obese, by the year 2030. Well, our food system needs some work, dude. And globally, the number of depression cases from 1990 to 2017 increased 50%. This is terrifying, as there have been reports from the CDC that depression rates spiked heavily during the lockdowns of 2020, claiming that depression rates amongst American adults spiked 40%. Furthermore, this study, published in September of 2020, projects that global diabetes cases will increase by 10% in the coming decade, 
Just over 10% of Americans are already diabetic, roughly 34 million, and that number is climbing by the day. And then, according to some estimates, 37 million Americans are prescribed antidepressants. Yay, they, those all imply a lot of consistent healthcare costs, considering that so many of the solutions offered by providers are a big pharma product. You wondered why health insurance premiums are so high and why more employers can't afford to provide their employees the wages they deserve? I think we know why. Remember in the preceding article where I uh, talked about how corporate lobbying may be causing serious ramifications for public health, and you want to go ahead and add that mix of issues with the ones we just discussed above? So there's a huge weight on the health insurance and employment insurance. Then you add in this little tidbit from Investopedia, quote, it is common for insurers to be involved in one or more dis distinct insurance businesses such as life, property, and casualty insurance. Depending on the degree of diversification, insurance companies face different risks and returns, making their PE and B over P over B ratios different across the sector, end quote. So 2020 experienced a series of unfortunate events that have caused every insurer to feel heavily weighed down. So what's the solution? Quote, for every problem, there is a solution that is simple, neat, and wrong. H.L. Minklin said that. While those words may ring true for some problems, I prefer to lean on the words and thoughts of an individual who, in contrary to Mr. Menklin, or sorry, Menken, saw the value in simple solutions. Quote, when you first start off trying to solve a problem, the first solutions you come up with are very complex and most people stop there. But if you keep going and live with the problem and peel more layers of the onion off, you can oftentimes arrive at some very elegant and simple solutions. That was Steve Jobs. My solution is really more of an assist. It is by the same vehicle I've mentioned in my previous article, but for a completely different reason, Bitcoin. Insurers should add Bitcoin to their balance sheets as fast as possible. Not only is it an inflation hedge for many investors, but it is also a source of significant alpha considering the scope of Bitcoin's current adoption numbers as well as Bitcoin's magnetism for the greatest minds on the planet. Insurers would not only be protecting a portion of their balance sheet by buying Bitcoin, but would stand to gain both valuation increases as well as increasing the quality of their workforce. Our insurers will have to employ Bitcoin experienced staff to assist them with educating current staff on how Bitcoin operates and then building out the infrastructure to custody the asset. They'll also need experienced Bitcoin traders to help maintain their company's exposure within the bounds laid out in their prospectuses. Trading a market that is literally open 24-7 that has no circuit breakers is a very different animal. It's not flashy. It's not complicated. It's a very simple solution. This solution is not free of the effects of fear that will keep leading to cycles of irrational behavior, both in people and in financial markets as a whole. So discretion and humility are paramount. Don't stack more than you're capable of weathering in extreme market events. Hodl Bitcoin, stack your sats, protect your keys, take your future back. Ladies and gentlemen, I am six minutes and 36 seconds over the hour mark. We are going to end it here. Um, <clears throat> like and subscribe to the podcast and do all the things and reach for all the stuff and lend a brother a hand so I can keep bringing you the news. It's the news that you can use and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.